The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handing you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, you say I am a king, for this I was born, for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know where the rest of them are. I want to know where the rest of the great leaders of the world are. You know who they are. You know the names. Caligula, Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Attila the Hun, Saddam Hussein. You know who they are. And Jesus is confronting the governor of Judea who asks him, are you a king? Because that's the charge, that the people, not the people of Israel, it was clear it was the Jews led by some of the Sadducees and Pharisees who brought Jesus before Pilate for a trial, threatening the great emperor in Rome, saying, Jesus says he's a king. He's undermining your power and the power of your emperor in Rome. So Pilate shakes. He's a little, he's a little absurd, upset with this accusation because it threatens his role. He knew some of the great names. He knew the history of Caesar Augustus. He knew Herod. He knew uh, all the great leaders of the known world and the, those who weren't even in the Roman world. And we do too. If we turn the pages of history, we'll, we'll find them. We'll find all those great leaders. But where are they now? You are king. Well, you say I'm a king, Jesus says to Pilate. I came for this. Now, this is interesting because nothing, there were no incidental words in John's gospel because he's saying to Pilate, I came into the world for my kingdom, and I will continue my kingdom. The other emperors or kings or great leaders didn't come into the world from God to be a leader. Some of them rose up through the ranks because of their family heritage. Some of them rose up, rose up through the ranks because of the number of murders they committed to get to the top. And you know that politician, that political system goes on now. We have a, a leader in China 
We have leaders throughout the world who are right there on top, and right behind them, behind their thrones, are the knives and threats of their own people, their own family members, who want to get into that role as premier, as king, as lord. As a matter of fact, Deus Domino, Lord God, was the title of the emperor because the emperor believed he was God. Remember the pharaohs? Remember the pyramids? They died, they were gods and goddesses. Where are they now? Where are the leaders now? We have, in 1921, I believe, Pius XI decided that the world was so screwed up and the priorities of Europe, especially at that point, were so messed up that he was going to declare a feast day to set the world straight, to, to let all of us know where our priorities are. So he declared a Sunday in October, and now it has come to the end of the liturgical year, was moved to summarize the liturgical year, and named it Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. That says it all. And where is he? He's with us. You see, he confronted the greatest threat. All of the other leaders, emperors, empresses throughout history were confronted with one element that brought them down. Death. Whether by the sword, suicide, poisoning, old age, death. Annihilated them. Even our own country, the great leaders. Death. Now their names in history. But Jesus did something on his throne of the cross when he bowed his head and said to the Father, it's done, it's over. And they buried him. It looked like the rest. But he rose from the dead. He destroyed the greatest threat to anyone living, death. His response to the most powerful element that Satan can impose on the world was life. The life that he'll give you and me as we follow him. To put it into religious perspective, we have readings from the book of Revelation and the great book of Daniel. Now, Daniel is a, an apocalyptic book, a book that deals with the end things. And the end things are always hell and damnation. Fire and falling out of the sky and death. But centuries before Jesus came on the scene, Daniel gives us one little element in his readings of the Old Testament when they, the people of Israel, were fleeing some of the monsters that, that Daniel mentions. One of the monsters is, is Greece and the Seleucid uh, dynasty that were constantly destroying and going after the Israelites. But he puts one little element of hope. This is 500 years before Christ. And he says, In the visions I saw, 
One like the Son of Man is coming on the clouds of heaven. He's received dominion, glory, kingship, nations, and all people and languages serve him. Daniel didn't know who he was talking about. It was a vision. And looking back, we know that vision was the vision of Christ coming in glory. So even amidst all the horror that the people of Israelites were going, the Israelites, the people of Israel were going through, Daniel was inspired to give us a little hope. Give them a little hope. Did they die? Yes. Were they persecuted? Yes. Were they martyred? Yes. But they had hope. Even in the face of disaster and death. And that's what apocalyptic literature is all about. Even in the face of disaster, there's hope. He didn't know who the hope would be. He called him the great one, the son of man. He was like the ultimate guy. And there's no one definition for that phrase, son of man. It's all of humanity combined into one. It's like every man, but specially chosen. So it was always regarded as a very special title related to God's messenger, son of man, coming on the clouds of heaven. Well, we still have that hope that at the end of time, the Son of Man will return to earth on the clouds of heaven. But don't, don't, don't hold on to that hope. Don't, don't wait for that hope. Because we've got a job to do right here and now as we follow Jesus and our members of his kingdom. Because he has requirements of that membership. You already are a member as soon as you were baptized. Each time you come up, we come up for Eucharist, we are renewing our membership and our fidelity. You say amen. Okay, so it be. So it is. That's amen. Amen means absolutely. Body of Christ, absolutely. Because I'm renewing my membership in the body of Christ when I receive the Eucharist. And just in case we need further enlightenment, the author of the book of Revelation tells us who this is that we are placing our hope in. God's faithful witness, firstborn from the dead, king of kings. His kingdom was given to him by his father, God. And to him, glory and power forever. Th think of all the glory and the power and the, and the golds of all of these various kings and emperors and leaders through history. They want a bigger tomb. They want a bigger castle. They want a bigger crown. They want all this stuff. And Jesus, none of that. But he has all the glory that there is to give. And he sums up his gift of glory to you and to me in one word. And that's what makes people crazy. That one word makes people crazy. Crucify him because he can't be a king. Because all he wants from us is love. He's standing before Pilate. And Pilate says, you're a king? Yeah, but not of this world. You just don't get it. Because if you put me in the category of Herod or, or Augustus Caesar or one of the other ones, 
it, it'll fall short because my kingdom is not of this world. Membership in my kingdom, this is not Jesus, I'm paraphrasing. My, membership in my kingdom is not blood and guts. It's not victory and, and, and prejudice and hate. Membership in my kingdom is love, is forgiveness, is clothing the naked, giving drink to the thirsty. That's how you maintain membership in my kingdom. If he went into that detail, and, and Pilate may have already known that, because don't forget, Pilate had Jesus in front of him, and those who brought Jesus made up the charges. He's telling us that, that the temple will one day be gone, and he'll replace it. Okay, I think we need to crucify him. He told us that it's more important to pray and give to the poor than it is to drop in big donations into the temple fund. Okay, he's got to be crucified. We've got to get him out of here. Uh, he told us that we can't spend money buying big gifts and, 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 and cows and, and doves and sacrifices outside the temple. We'd ra he'd rather us be one-on-one -on -one with God in prayer. Uh, he, he needs to be crucified. These, these goals of this Jesus Christ, King of the universe, just don't meet our needs. Now, am I talking about the people of Israel? Or am I talking about us today? For us to maintain our membership in the body of Christ and one of his members, there are rules. Love, charity, forgiveness, honesty, avoiding prejudice, hate, greed. Oh, come on, come on. We've got to crucify him because we can't cope with those rules. We can't cope with that. We can't cope with giving until it hurts to the poor. We can't cope with, with feeding the hungry. I've got my own things to think about. And if we think that way, once again, we're nailing Jesus to the cross. But you can nail him as many times as the world wants to nail him. He will never be dead. He's with us. He's your hope. He's my hope. He's our foundation. He's the one in our brains, our hearts, and our minds who makes sense by loving over sinning. He makes sense when we deal with honesty over prejudice. It clicks when what he tells us is love over hate and greed and jealousy. So, to us who are members of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, King of the universe, happy feast day. Happy Feast Day. Go home, whether you're alone or with a group, on Thanksgiving, and celebrate. But celebrate the fact that our king lives. He's not a was, he is an is. And as we start wrapping and preparing, next week begins Advent for Christmas, realize what we're doing. Giving a gift of love to one another, representing the great love that Jesus Christ, King of the universe, gives us and expects from us.
to one another. 